Tales from a Jurassic World, Season 1, Episode 2, Boneheadedness Can Only Get You So Far. The Chevrolet pickup truck sped down the forest roads on the way to the local town of Phillips. The town itself was only a couple of miles from the Lockwood Manor estate, and that meant that Morrison and Brown should have been able to get there relatively quickly. Morrison gripped the steering wheel tightly, his knuckles white from the pressure he was exerting on it. Brown noticed this, looking at him intently for a moment before she spoke. Are you okay? Morrison let out a sigh before he spoke. I'll be honest, I'm nervous. We've seen what mass panic with animal encounters can do in the past. This is a rapidly developing situation. I don't want anyone to get hurt, human or animal. or wandering into the unknown on this one. I mean, how many cc's do we need to tranquilize something like this? It's all trial and error, and we can't afford error. He shook his head and reached one hand up from the wheel, running his hand through his scalp firmly. The supervisor said it's a stygiumolic. I saw their paddocks when I visited Jurassic World in 2014. I can't remember much about them, but they weren't huge animals. If we approach it with something large, like a bear in mind, then at least we know we'll get it first time. If the dose is too much, we'll have to hope that it can sleep it off. I'll prep the carfentanil and xylazine now. Brown reached in between the two chairs in the car and grabbed a black case which was sat on the backseat of the vehicle, next to what appeared to be a tranquilizer rifle. She brought the case into the front and opened it, revealing a handful of glass vials and a few tranquilizer darts. She began to fill a pipette with liquid from one of the bottles, as the vehicle continued to speed forward. While she did that, Morrison picked up the radio again and buzzed into Control. Control, this is Morrison. En route to Phillips now. ETA, five minutes. Status update, over. Copy that, Morrison. Capture team has been dispatched from our field base. ETA, 30 minutes until arrival. Humboldt County Sheriff's Department has put a one-mile exclusion zone in place around the animal. It's currently at a gas station just outside the town. Local crowds are gathering, but so far the incident is contained. Over. Copy that. We'll be on location ASAP. Morrison out. Morrison turned to look at Brown, who was finishing loading up a third and final tranquilizer dart with the solution. You ready? She nodded, removing the three syringes and closing the case. (laughs) Well, alright then. Let's catch ourselves a dinosaur. A few moments later, the duo arrived at the scene. The sheriff's department had done an effective job blocking off the road, with a couple of patrol cars and some temporary barriers preventing the public from moving through. A small crowd had gathered at the barricade, chattering amongst themselves as they speculated what was going on. A couple of sheriff's deputies stood at the front of the barricade, attempting to hold back the crowd and trying to calm them. As they exited the vehicle, Morrison opened the rear door and pulled out the tranquilizer rifle. It had a sling on it, so he pulled it over his shoulder and began to gently push his way through the crowd towards the barricade, Brown behind him. What's going on? Why are they here? Keep calm, everyone, please. 
there's nothing to be alarmed about. We have an agitated bear which needs to be taken care of, and we're here to do that. Now please, stay back and you'll be safe. Eventually, the duo reached the barricade, where they were able to greet one of the sheriff's deputies who was standing guard. Deputy Hernandez. He said, reaching a hand over the barricade. Morrison grabbed it and shook it. I'm Agent Morrison and this is Aiden Brown. The deputy nodded and moved one of the barricades back, allowing them to step through before pushing it back into place. I'll walk you down to where it is. Morrison and Brown followed the deputy, who led them down the road towards where the gas station was. Around a bend in the road, just out of sight from the public, there sat the small gas station, complete with a forecourt with a couple of refuelling pumps and a small brick building next to them which formed a small convenience store. A couple of vehicles sat near the forecourt. Their doors were open and their lights were still on, but the occupants were nowhere to be seen. Just beyond the vehicles, amidst the refuelling pumps, a brown shape could be seen moving around in an agitated manner. Morrison attempted to squint to get a closer look, but couldn't quite make out what it was from this distance. The deputy stopped and turned to them both. They turned up rather suddenly. Luckily, we were already in the area, so we were able to get here quite quickly. The people who encountered it when it first turned up were back at the station with the feds. They're going to make sure they keep quiet. We've been trying to keep things silent since the incident at the manor, but it's an ongoing challenge. What other encounters have you had recently? Uh, One of the long-necked ones blocked one of the roads for a little while. I think it was grazing or something. I don't know. And we had a couple of the ones with the bumpy backs and big tails destroy some crops at a local farmhouse. Both times our people have responded quickly, thank God, but they don't seem to be slowing down. We're working on it. Feel free to head back to the line and wait for us there, deputy. We'll deal with this. The young man nodded. He took one final glimpse across towards where the animal was, and then turned and walked back up the road, leaving Morrison and Brown all alone. The duo began to creep closer towards the gas station. Looking further up the road, they could see the other end of the barricade, where a couple more sheriff's department vehicles were parked, blocking sight of the gas station. They crept forward until they reached the first abandoned car and then crouched down next to it, peeking over the bonnet towards where the creature was waiting. From this distance they can make out the animal's brown skin and the white bump on its head which distinguished it as the Stiggy Moloch, plus the spikes which extended from the back of its skull. It snorted and made a few different noises, but it seemed to be walking around the relatively small area. Now that they were closer, the agents could also hear the trickle of what sounded like water from this close, although they couldn't be sure what it was. What's it doing? Brown whispered, looking over Morrison's shoulder. I'm not sure. He said, pulling back the bolt on the tranquilizer rifle. Can you pass me one of the darts? Sure. She replied, passing it over to him. Wait here. He chambered the dart and then he crept forward, keeping the barrel of the rifle low as he moved closer to the corner of the building. He raised the rifle and took a moment to take in the situation. What had sounded like water was actually gasoline flowing out from one of the pumps. 
The stinky monarch appeared to be tied up in the hose from the gas pump, having got it twisted around its legs like a temporary leash so it couldn't move too far away from where it was. He could tell the animal was confused as it kept making strange noises, and it also didn't like the smell of the gasoline as it kept trying to stray away from the pump but couldn't make it far enough away. Morrison felt pity for the animal for a second, but he knew he had to tranquilise it to get it someplace safe. He raised the rifle, levelled the iron sights on the Stiggy Moloch and squeezed the trigger. There was the sound of a round being discharged, but nothing came out of the barrel. The Stiggy Moloch turned to look at him and let out a noise that sounded agitated. Morrison gulped under his breath and stared at the animal in disbelief. Lucy, I need another dart. The animal slowly began to walk towards him, making a series of noises as he began to lower its head, giving him a full view of the cracked and chipped bump which adorned its head. He could feel his hand shaking a little and gripped the rifle tighter as the Stiggy Moloch got closer. Ow. At once, the animal let out a loud bellow and then went to charge towards him, clearly forgetting the gas pump was wrapped around its legs. Morrison dived around the wall but didn't need to run, as the Stiggy Moloch toppled to the ground and crumpled in a heap, making a couple of pain noises as it slammed into the concrete below. Morrison let out a deep sigh and turned to see Lucy behind him, second dart in hand. Are you okay? I'm fine. He opened the chamber of the rifle and found the problem. The first dart had been faulty and had managed to get stuck in the chamber, meaning that although he had fired it had got jammed in the barrel. He reached in and wrestled with it a little, pulling it out and clearing the chamber. He then chambered the new dart and levelled it at the Stiggy Moloch's neck, firing without hesitation. It embedded itself in the animal's neck and the animal let out a few more groans before its eyes shut and it slumped into a heap on the floor. Brown began to walk forward, reaching out to rest her hand on the animal's neck. It was warm and she could feel it respiring gently. Careful getting so close. It's okay. It's fast asleep, but I think it's going to be okay. She took a moment to look up and down the body of the animal and stroked its back as she took it in. It's beautiful. When I saw the news report said Isla Nublar was gone, I didn't think I'd ever get to see a dinosaur again. Morrison shouldered the rifle and took a moment to take in the scene around them. A rack outside the convenience store had been smashed to pieces, sending different bits of outdoor equipment spewing across the ground. The front of the building was also in a state, with glass smashed from multiple impacts. As Morrison took in the damage, he began to feel more and more grateful for the gas pump. Petrol was still flowing onto the floor, and it was pooling in a puddle which he was conscious would continue to pose a risk, but the immediate danger had passed at least. He heard some footsteps down the road behind him and turned to be greeted by Deputy Hernandez. He smiled as the deputy came to a stop next to him. The rest of your people are here. They've got a capture cage with them. Ready to get this thing out of here? Morrison turned and looked at Brown, who was sat on the floor with the sticky Moloch still. She stroked the animal's skin one final time and then stood up, nodding at Morrison. Let's get her someplace safe. 
A couple of hours later, Morrison and Brown were finally able to return to the field base which had been established at a local airstrip. As they arrived at the location, it was clear that it was a hub of activity. Shipping containers adorned with the US Fish and Wildlife Service logo were stacked high and were being unloaded by various agents, with equipment cases and storage containers being removed from them. A couple of prefabricated structures had already been established and were set up, with a control room, an equipment room and a couple of other buildings already in place. A huge telecommunications ray had also been set up, and a couple of helicopter landing pads had been hastily erected. One of the helicopters was taking off as Morrison and Brown pulled up, parking next to another Fish and Wildlife Service vehicle. As they stepped out, a lady in a safari shirt and a pair of green cargo pants walked towards them, a clipboard in hand. Her black, short-cut hair caught in the wind slightly as the helicopter flew away overhead. Ben, it's good to see you. She said with a smile, walking up to Morrison and giving him a hug. It's great to see you too, Fran. This is Lucy Brown. It's good to meet you. I'm your supervisor, Fran Marshall. She shook Lucy's hand with a smile and then turned to motion over to an area of fences which had been established in the far side of the compound. It was hard to make out from here, but it appeared as if there were several different paddocks set up of various different sizes, and they could hear noises from some of the animals inside. Why don't you follow me and I'll show you what we're working with so far. Further into the compound, it was clear that there were a couple of dinosaurs in holding pens awaiting transportation. One of them was a large, towering sauropod, which bellowed as the trio of agents walked past its paddock. It was clear the animal was uncomfortable, but the Fish and Wildlife Service had done what they could to help the animal settle into its temporary home. Wow, it's huge. It's an Apatosaurus, right? That's correct. Down there we have a couple of Ankylosaurus, a Sinoceratops, and also a trio of Gallimimus. Then there is this Digimolic you captured earlier today. Still in with the Paleo Veterinarians currently. All have been recovered in the past couple of weeks. Um, we believe they're all from Lockwood Manor. They could hear the other animals making noises further down into the compound, and looked down towards them for a moment. Morrison scratched his chin and turned back to Marshall. These are holding pens, where are they going? We're establishing a brand new facility in Pennsylvania, away from prying eyes, near one of the airfields. Lots of land to establish a temporary compound, and we're in the process of looking for a longer term solution. A lot is still happening with the hearings in Congress right now, but there are rumors we'll be working with the private sector to contain them in the long term. We shall see. That's long term. What do we do for now? Contain and protect. It's that simple. We need to ensure that we are containing these animals and also protecting both the public and the animals themselves. And it's not going to be easy, but it needs to be done. If you'll excuse me, I need to organize a flight for this Apatosaurus. As Marshall walked away, Morrison and Brown stood, taking in the sight before them. 
In front of them were animals that existed over 65 million years ago, once again living in harmony. It really was like witnessing the birth of a new world. Take it in. You're going to be very busy. You have been listening to Tales from a Jurassic World. Ben Morrison voiced by Jared Ransom. Lucy Brown voiced by Ashley Friel. Fran Marshall voiced by Dot Paws. Radio Controller voiced by Nathan Studios. Member of the Crowd 1 voiced by Jeroen van der Plank. Member of the Crowd 2 voiced by Kevin Allen. Deputy Hernandez voiced by Ben Mackey. Score composed and created by Brooks Leiby. Score mixed by Ian Sheffer. Sound effects from Epidemic Sound. Written, created and produced by Tom Jurassic. Tales from a Jurassic World follows the US Fish and Wildlife Service as they adapt to dinosaurs in the wild.